And a reminder, the first 30 minutes of this podcast are available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and many of the major platforms. The full podcast is available at www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. SRB Media. Good evening, Gabby. Good evening, TC. Welcome all to our weekly podcast, Terry Curran's Current View, with the Ardler Billsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. Steady away. What kind of week you had, some? Not bad. Steady, steady away, as usual, but other than that, not too bad. What's the snow like? Down a little bit. Yeah, what's the snow like up in Kinsley? No snow. No snow. Really? I'm doing an after, doing an after dinner on Friday in Bradford, Bradford Park Avenue. Ooh. So, uh, not, bad, not a bad week, really. So you've got absolutely no snow up there in uh, in the north? No. Well, not not in here. Not, uh, I don't like Sheffield, but not, what am I, about 30 miles up Sheffield? Yeah. No, we haven't got any at the moment. It tried a little bit, but it's not uh, settled. Well, I'm just on the west of Birmingham in an area called Bartley Green, and my garden's full of it, so you can have some snow, if you like, from my garden. <laughs> I'll send it no, up. When, keep uh, it down there. No, well, I was going to say I'll send it up when Chris sends uh-huh. up your two mugs because we uh, we are selling a range of mugs. We've got the Terry Curran poem mug and the Terry Curran uh, podcast mug, uh, £13 including postage and packaging, uh, up to UTC this Friday with a mug full of snow courtesy of, uh, of us <laughs> down here in Birmingham. I'm happy with global warming up here, so y'all keep, you know... <laughs> Ah, absolutely. You're not about global warming. You'll, you'll keep the snow. Absolutely, T. A young lady that's had a fantastic week as well. Uh, Samaya Moogle uh, works for BBC Radio Leicester, has won Podcast of the Year. Brown Girl Can't, or Brown Gal Can't Swim. Lovely podcast. Been interacting with her on Twitter. Um, can you swim, T? Are you a very good swimmer? Oh, I can swim. I'm not bad. I'm not. A, I'm not stylish but jocks uh, jock jock and tom's mum were very good she's a brilliant swimmer she was i've got a brother who was a very good swimmer I'm, i can swim you know what i mean yeah because you're from a family that you know on your mum's side yeah rugby league and and yeah. you know you you guys there on your dad's side etc football and your, your older brother dave it is Dave, isn't it, that you used to go to and he used to play football and yeah. introduce you to, to the game because you were a few years younger. You always took your boots when you watched your older brother play. You were going to go and sign for Halifax. You decided to turn the car around and go and play for Doncaster Rovers instead. So it is, you know, it's in your DNA. Now you know sport. why I've had that many clubs, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, I think there's only Barry Siltman and Frank Worthington that have more clubs than you two. <laughs> Looking at lots of clubs the weekend, um, what magic moments did you source for us? I packed in with it, Gabby. I know, but we've got to keep I, going because they're fam- fabulous, aren't they? I packed in with it. The Liverpool goal, the ball that uh, Salah did to that uh, gap goal. Yeah. It was unreal. And I mean unreal. That was that was um, Salah his best, you know. Uh, but Salah's goal itself was a great goal. It's just it's just unreal when you look at everything. What and you're trying to pick out. And I always feel as I'm doing unjust to the other ones. And you know you pick the elites out all the time. But that little bit of ball that he's dropped 
I mean, he's played it on outside, which is, is a tight area, but yeah. it's absolutely perfect. And he's just dinked it over the goalkeeper's uh, gap, gap, oh, gap, oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, but Salah's ball itself, but it's just unreal. You know, the weight, the timing, everything about it. When Salah got that ball, he turned the back inside out. In fact, he didn't know whether he was Arthur or Martha. And he this put, is what I say to people. Yeah. I'm, I'm interacting with Alan Hudson. I get, I get where they're coming from because what we, what we do in England, we always look about uh, oh, the defence. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop that yeah. when somebody's going and drops that shoulder. You've, you've lost them. Mm. You mean how many times did you hear it say, "Oh, uh, he's gone into, to, he's holding my right dummy there." Yeah. You know, and you think. It's right. They sold him a double because they can't stop it. When you committed to go one way once he's dropped that shoulder and he turns the other way, you are absolutely out of the game. He sold him a dummy that far. He had to pay to get back into the ground. Didn't exactly. I, I mean, it I mean, was... When you look at it, yeah. it may look bad, but you've got to give the, 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 the attacker the credit and the benefit of doing a brilliant piece of work to create that opportunity. Absolutely, because the defender is only going to react to the body movement of the forward. And when Salah, when he received that ball, he went inside, he went outside, he went inside, he went outside. And the fella nearly fell over. He was that dizzy by the time Salah put such a fantastic ball there were two, two with or three times when he dropped his shoulder oh. and he didn't know which way. And then finally, yeah. finally, he'd lost it. Right? And he created the space for himself. And like I said, the weight of that pass was, you'll never get uh, any better than that. I mean, you're equal of it, but you never get anything any better because that was perfection. Absolutely perfection. And, you know, it's easier to defend mm. than it is to attack. Yeah. But Absolutely. for him to create that, uh, for him to create that um, opportunity like that, it takes some skill. It certainly does. And when Gapco got that ball in that position... Looks a player of him, doesn't he? I'll be honest. I'll, I mean, we've done this on the podcast before with Gapco. Yeah. And, and I have said that I'm not a big fan of buying players that do half-decent in the World Cup finals. We don't know too much about them. We've seen that many foreign players come over here that clubs have spent absolute fortune on and stunk the place out and... Within six months, some of them have returned back to where they come from. And I, I didn't know whether Gapco was going to be that kind of player. But he scored the first goal that he scored, tremendous ball by uh, by Andy Robertson. Yeah, just so. uh, exactly. And then he's come in and he's put it in the back of the net. Just, you know, not long before halftime. So it's 1-0 at halftime. We're in a restaurant. Uh, celebrating Ruby's birthday, but we've got a TV set. So we're watching the game. And then when he done that, I stood up and applauded. It yeah. was just a phenomenal. I didn't think that he w- he was technically that good to do what he did when he received that ball from Salah, and that was just that was just sublime. It was just absolute genius. So I too have picked Gapko's goal. I thought Liverpool's second half performance. I know that, that people, and I've listened yeah, to I'm, lots that are going on about like Man United. You. I agree with you 100%. But Liverpool... I thought Man United did all right for a start. Yeah, they did, yeah. But Liverpool's second half, 
I don't think anybody would have would have contained them. I thought they were absolutely fabulous. Going back to Salah's goal, when a ball hits a crossbar and goes in, there's something special about that, isn't there? Yeah. And everything about it, the run, the put, the pass, uh, the strike, uh, the cleanness of the strike. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not going to save them because it's it's the underside of the bar. Absolutely. Bubba Firmino, he comes on and scores a brace as well when he's just announced that he's going to be leaving Liverpool. That was great timing, I have to say. But then there was another goal uh, from Gabriel Sara or Sara. I'd never heard of the fella, a Brazilian that plays for Norwich and he scored against Millwall. He's took the ball with his one foot, he spun and smashed it in the Smash top corner. And I thought I looked at that, and I always post the reels of the EFL. They they post up their five goals, and I put it onto our Facebook page and onto our current view uh, group site. I sent you that one up in Scotland, didn't I? And you posted it on. I remember you posted yeah. it on before, but actually, yeah, you know, I saw Simon Stamer had posted that, and I thought, you know, looking real. <laughs> What a great goal that was. But again, when Simon done that from the halfway line, they actually, yeah. the, the gaffer who raised it from from the video. So there's no video evidence of Simon's, but that one we talked about on previous podcasts was, was quite phenomenal. And that's the beauty of YouTube and all the cameras at all the games up and down Today. the country and foreign games as well, that we pretty much see everything where you guys have of the 70s, the 80s, and up till really the Premier League started, we didn't see and didn't have access to all that. So as much as I do criticise the new new and the Premier League, they didn't invent the game of football in uh, in 1992. And that takes me nicely on to a post that I saw when it said that Salah is a history-making player for Liverpool most Premier League goals uh, and 129. Well done, Mo Salah. I looked at it and I thought, well done, yeah. In terms of history, for the last 30 years, you've scored more goals than any other Liverpool player in the last 30 years. But we all know Liverpool have been playing football for longer than 30 years. And Gordon Hodgson, who I have uh, championed on a number of occasions on this podcast. Gordon is the all-time Liverpool top-flight league goal scorer. And I'll repeat that. Gordon Hodgson has scored more top-flight goals for Liverpool. Top-flight goals, you know, in the league, not the Cup. I don't count the Cup. I don't count the Champions League and the FA Cup. That's different, but league games, he scored 233. Roger Hunt has scored more goals. He scored nine more goals than Gordon, but Roger scored a lot of those goals in the second division for Liverpool, so he's behind. And also, Russia is four behind Gordon as well. So when I look at its history-making, no, it's not. You've still got 104 goals to beat Gordon Salah. If you'd have asked me what uh, leading goals, I'd have said Ian Rush. He scored more goals than anybody else playing for Liverpool Football Club. That's league and cup. Cool. But Gordon has scored more, more top-flight league goals. And he also was a decent um, fast bowler as well. So he probably has that on Mo Salah. 
uh, Ian Ross and Roger Hunt as well. I don't think that they they when took international at, wickets. When you look at De Bruyne and I'm going to say Rush then and Mo Salah, yeah. How Chelsea let them go. Incredible. It's, it's just unreal, isn't it? It's, incre- it's absolutely incredible. But again, if you look at football, how many teams have let star players... We're going to go out tonight with Maverick Tails and um, we're going to be uh, focusing on Tony Curry when he first started uh, at Watford Football Club as a young player. But Tony, before that, was turned down and we've done... Again, we've done this on Maverick Tails. When Tony told us about... He, he got turned away at both Chelsea, the club that he supports, massive Chelsea fan is Tony Curry, and Queen's Park Rangers. I mean, Paul Gascoigne, Kevin Keegan, Alan Hudson, lots and lots of players. The list is endless where players have been Wolves turned, turned away. Wolves turned Bolly down. Bolly were telling me about the time when, when Wolves turned him down. They said he was too small. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. You, I would say so much as most football players have been turned down at some stage when they started playing football by numerous football clubs. It's quite incredible, but it is the way that it is. It, it, it is. I mean, when you look at when you look at it, I mean, we always go on about size in England, and the greatest players in the world. If you're, as you messes, yeah, Joe Best, Croy for six foot, Zidane was six foot, six foot plus, you know what I mean? Mm. But the majority of them are around about five foot eight, five foot ten, aren't they? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and the smaller guys that are five foot four, five foot five, you know, you've got no chance of making it okay. The likes of Billy Bremner and Johnny Giles and uh, Bobby yeah, Collins, etc. Yeah, I mean, they did come through, but they were extra special. But there's so many smaller players that have been turned away because of their size. In fact, Alan Hudson, when he went to Fulham at, at 14, he just watched Alan Ball play for Blackpool and score three goals. And and Oddie says, they turned him away for being too small. And he said, I just watched Alan Ball score three goals and I'm bigger than him. And, yeah. and it is always that you're too small. Lionel Messi would have been My turned space, away. You, sometimes is it, is it an extra... I mean, I play with players and they've come out, I have little tears in the eyes. I said, what's up? He said, oh, let me go because I'm too small. Sometimes that's just an excuse. Yes, it is, yeah. You know, or they use yeah. the chairman. The chairman won't pay that kind of money. Yeah. I used to say, well, you know, uh, challenge the bluff. So, all right, we'll leave. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. But people fear, they fear things, don't they? You know what I mean? They I might not get do. another club, but don't yeah. worry about it. That's what I used to say. For every club that turns a player down... That's an opinion of a manager or a person that doesn't mean to say that another club with another person and another manager doesn't have a different opinion. I'm nodding my head to everything you've just said. Mm-hmm. So never I give always up. tell people that's one man- manager's opinion. Absolutely. Right. When I look at the great players before my time, the Hudson's, the Coveys and all these players, mm-hmm. went on, right? They didn't play, not because they weren't for England, they didn't play because uh, they weren't good players. They played because the manager didn't really fancy them. 100%. Mind them not fancy the, uh, it's not that they didn't fancy their technical ability, they just didn't fancy them as people. Mm. Didn't want them in the dressing room, that type of thing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, and it happens, you know, in the game. It always More often has. than not. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was working at the D Club at Birmingham City, 
uh, Julian Dix was was a young un, and uh, Julian he come up from Bristol with the guy that I used to work for, uh, Brian. I used to work in a nightclub for Brian, and Brian was working at the D club as well as. And and Dixie coming to me the one day I was working uh, at the bar. It was during the day. It wasn't open. And I said, what's the matter, Jules? And he says, oh, I'm never going to get into this team. Bondy don't fancy me. And I said, Jules, just because he don't, he ain't going to be here forever. Someone will pick you. I mean, the next time I seen him, he, I think he was a captain of West Ham United and played for Liverpool. And, and it just his opinions and managers and, you know, especially if a, a team isn't, particularly performing that well there's less chance of a young gun breaking into that team but look you at, know ultimately just keep believing in yourself look at Amaron in Newcastle absolutely yeah it looked shocking didn't it yeah it did he comes under him and he's had it's been a different uh, player altogether but again a different manager with a different philosophy the idea yeah, yeah. Who, who likes the team to get on the front foot and play football and therefore what Almiron's got is conducive to what Eddie Howe is trying to do with Steve Bruce and Benitez absolutely not totally different I mean you did mention size earlier TC leads us on to um, uh, a, a bar in um, I think it was Wilmslow wasn't it that's up I believe it's is that Manchester Wilmslow when uh, Carl Walker Decided to show a young lady his his tattoo, shall we say? And uh, he got done. He's got done for exposure. And I did post it up on the current view and on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page. And I did say, to be fair, it's not the only time he's been exposed this season. <laughs> it's funny you said that because I've not looked at the current view today. Yeah. Um. And, and Tom's just said to me, uh, Carl Walker's got done for exposure, Dad. Yeah. And, <laughs> It's only because I was reading something on on, on phone. Yeah. Then I didn't ask him what uh, you know. It may not be true, but now you've said it. You know. We do, ag- is true. Yeah. Again, we don't know what happened. There's CCT uh, evidence of him doing things with a, a young lady or two. So we we don't know what went on. I mean, it might be perfectly innocent. Um, but it has been reported. It's on all the news outlets. But uh, it did make me laugh because I remember being in Stratford many, many years ago and I was talking football to, to a barman. And, and he says, you know, the other week, a Villa player, I'm not going to mention who it was, but he was in the bar and he said to a young lady, do you want to see the biggest cock in Stratford? And she said, I'm looking at the biggest cock in Stratford. <laughs> and whether Carl Walker could have come out with that well-served line, I don't know. But uh, again, Manchester City, I, I think, have pretty much said, look, that's a private issue. It's a private situation and scenario. They have um, some problems on that uh, front, don't they, with the players that being into trouble with uh, women? I just think that... I wonder what's going to happen to Mason Greenwood. Again, I mean, his missus is pregnant now, isn't it? It's the same one that was pressing charges, I believe, and then dropped them. Well, we we absolutely don't know what goes on. And and until we know the truth, we find out the truth. And there's only a couple of people that do really know the truth. The media will report whatever because they're not particularly that bothered. Sometimes there's a grain of truth in it. Sometimes there's a, a complete fabrication. But um, but good luck to all people. And uh, as Alan Hudson says, you're only young once. Enjoy your youth. 
But in terms of Carl Walker, he's 32 and he's married. So I think he's got more questions to answer from his missus than he would do from Pep Guardiola. Uh, Book Corner TC, in association with myfootballbooks.com. Andy always sends us a recommendation. And this week he's recommended... Jack Charlton, the autobiography. And on this day, the 11th of March, 1972, Jack made his 600th league appearance for Leeds United and after 12 minutes scored the only goal of the game against Coventry City in front of 43,154 fans at Ellen Road, the legend that is Jack Charlton. Unbelievable. Great character. Uh, Won everything practically in the game. Uh, Barony... uh, Champions League, which is a European Cup. Great character, played in a great, great England team and a very, very good, uh, no, a, a very good England team and a great Leeds United team. But again, you know, for all of Alf's misfortunes and he didn't particularly like the flair players, we had a home tournament in 66. Some of the better players, more flair players, wasn't picked for a more workmanlike yeah. uh, team. England got over the line and won the World Cup against West Germany in the July of, of 66. And you go down as legends, but it is fine margins. Cause... And, uh, well, Jack didn't get in team until he was 28, you know. Absolutely. And Jack, in his early days, it was touch and go whether Leeds were going to take him on. I mean, he, he played many a game at left-back for Leeds United and also played centre-forward. So, you know, it, it, again... It's one of those, never give up, keep believing in yourself and, and you know, well, it might just happen for you and it, it did Rebby, for Jack. Rebby and Jack didn't see eye to eye. I mean, Jack told me that himself, but Billy Brevney said to me, he said, you two remind me of him and Jack, him and Don always arguing all the time. Yeah. That's why you say, it's him, not me. It's mm. never bloody wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but again, some gaffers are like that. And, you know, with Don Reavy, he, he, he always come across as, very headstrong, knew what he wanted to do. At Leeds United, I think he was an absolute genius and rightly has a statue outside Ellen Road. But I think for England, and we've said this on many occasions yeah. on the podcast, poor, very poor. Yeah, Argu- arguably the worst now, thing I've, in I don't find that baffling. I find it absolutely you're picking, incredible. You're picking, you're picking the best players in the country. Absolutely. But well, if, I've got the chance yeah. to pick from the best players. That's what I'm saying. You're and, picking from yeah. the best players in the country and yet... They seem not to want to do it when they play for England. Absolutely. When, you know, when they come England manager. And it just shows what a pool of players that we've got in England because you could argue, and Alan Hudson will always argue, the best player for England didn't start in the 66 World Cup finals. That was Jimmy Greaves. And then the next best player, George Eastham, also didn't start. The next best player, Peter Thompson, also didn't start. There was a number of players that didn't start. I mean, what a great player he was, Thompson. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I remember Thompson. Yeah. I remember George, vaguely with George, because he played at Stoke, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, he played at Arsenal. When Alan was a young un, he was taken to, uh, to to Arsenal to watch George Eastham. I think George started at uh, Newcastle United, didn't he? If memory serves me right. I always remember him being at Stoke. Yeah, but he, 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 he 100% played at Arsenal because... Alan's dad used to take him down to Highbury to watch George Easton and also to watch the uh, the double winners at White Hart Lane. Uh, Tottenham, Tottenham playing tonight, of course, against uh, AC Milan. And White Hart Lane was always Alan's favourite ground. He, he loved it there. So many happy memories and made his proper debut for Chelsea at White Hart Lane in a game that Jimmy Greaves played 
for uh, for Spurs. But yeah, then, and Alan would say to me, he would have his most difficult game in training against George Easterman. George had retired by then, but he said, what a terrific player he was. I mean, a fantastic player. And a young Stoke fan says to Woody the one day, he says, you know, Waddington hasn't bought a new Alan Hudson. He's bought an old George Easterman, which is you, to replace George. And Alan looks at it and he thought, do you know what, you're right, because that's what Waddington did. It was, you know, a piece of the jigsaw as one moves out another similar one moves in he certainly knew how to pick a team and he certainly knew how to um coach and manage or so much not coach but manage a football team and loved an inside forward did waddington it's funny how, it's funny how you say that because when you look at managers when you look at howard wilkinson he'll always pick that type of play we pick you yeah, know what i mean yeah. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what i mean yeah and whereas uh fluffy had certain players that he always Looked, looked to sign. Uh, Ferguson did. When mm. you look at it, you're right there, what you've just been saying. Mm. They did place like we like, don't they? Yeah, and, and you look at some managers and you think, hey, definitely ain't going to work with that manager there. That ain't a good yeah, fit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you again there. I see that. <laughs> and it is. I see it? that, I think. That'll not last two minutes. No, it's like a marriage made in hell. Whereas, like with Hudson, it was a marriage made in heaven. Another heavenly player, um, Tony Curry. Unperfect 10. It was a book <clears throat> that did come out some time ago, but we do like to reintroduce our books into Book Corner. The Man Behind the Manny, uh, the Man Behind the Magic, Tony Curry with Andy Pack. And what a fantastic player. I mean, there's uh, Tony Curry, who was a brilliant talent, Pelle. He was a great player. He could do everything. He had so much ability. Uh, he had it to burn, to waste, really. Alan Ball, MBE. I mean, Tony loved Alan Ball. Ballie loved him. And they certainly used to like to sit on the ball as well and take the piss out of each other. And Tony Curry said to me, Ballie said, next time I see you, I've got something special for you. And he put his foot on the ball, untie his laces, do his laces up, and then pass the ball. And Tony Curry said, I never got the bastard back for that. <laughs> but that was Ballie and Tony Curry, two legends of the game. And all in Tony Curry's book, his autobiography with Andy Pack. And also, let's give a mention to the book before by um, E.J. Huntley, The Life and Career of Tony Curry, The Matador. What a player. They don't make players like T.C. of Sheffield United. And T.C. of Sheffield Wednesday anymore, T.C.? No, I mean, he, he was... I told you I would have played them two together in our midfield. Yeah. And me. it, people, I tell people, I said, they won't give the ball away. No. It's about retaining the ball. Having the composure, having the control, the vision to see things. They've got everything paired of them. And this is the thing when you, I mean, we've picked our England team of, of all time uh, 11 uh, on a previous Always in podcast. Mind Always. Absolutely. And uh, Johnny Ains was another one. Okay, I didn't see Johnny play, but I've heard so many um, wonderful. Um, Compliments. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a right word, TC. Wonderful compliments of Johnny Ains by Malcolm McDonald, by Alan Hudson. I don't know Rodney Marsh, but I've listened to Rodney compliment Johnny Ains. A lot of them, a lot of them always said what a player he was, Johnny Ains. And he was known oh. as the maestro as well, one of the greatest passers of the ball that we've ever had. 
I've got to say, not the greatest driver of a car that we've ever had. And I don't know what it is with number 10s, Johnny Ains, Alan Hudson, Jack Grealish, and there's probably many, many more that have smashed the cars up. So they're, they're driving forces on the pitch, but not particularly driving forces off it. But Tony Curry, absolute legend. And finally, Dutch Masters, when Ajax... Total football conquered Europe by Gary Thacker. Uh, Gary previously was written many books, but um, a previous book that he wrote was about uh, the Dutch team of 74, 78. He also goes back in time in that book. It was beautiful bridesmaids dressed in orange. Gary's a journalist that, that lives over in Spain, writes for these football times with the guys who've produced many, many books and great magazines, etc. and podcasts. So I'll be catching up with Gary um, next Monday to talk about his new book, Dutch Masters. But let's just indulge for a couple of minutes in Ajax Football Club. What a team they were in the 70s. Arguably, Madrid were the first super team. Benfica into Milan, possibly, yep, in the uh, in the seven, in the 60s. But then the 70s, the Dutch stole it. They got Feyenoord and they got Ajax that were super teams. And Ajax, three European Cups back-to-back. And guys, in those days, Incredible. you had to when win you your look, own league. When you look at Ajax, yeah, right, the Dutch, because, like you said, you know, they're only a small country. Yes. To win three European cups on the bounce, produce the players, which was, you know, like you say, were total football. It was yeah. beautiful to watch, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, they won the first one. Um, against Panathinaikos uh, in at Wembley in seventy one in seventy two they they won at Feyenoord and then I think it was was it Atletico they beat I'll have to research that before I talk to Gary and then the, the third one uh, Johnny Rep scored um, 